Good morning. It's time for your favorite local government smackdown show, RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. I'm Melissa, and today Jesse, Francesca, and I will regale you with tales of some upcoming ordinances that may have a high impact on local communities and the city at large. Stick around and join us for a rousing discussion. On today's episode, we're going to go through and talk about three uh, current papers that are mildly controversial or interesting, at least, that are currently running through the city council process. And for each of those, we're going to uh, adhere to, again, the Chilpertian rules of order, which is 15 minutes on the clock. And we will actually stop talking when we are done with the timer. And you'll be able to hear the timer so that you know that we are about to be honest and not just object our way, or sorry, lack of object our way to uh, an hour-long conversation. Uh, uh, Madam, Madam That's Vice still President, a no. we're we... going to get going now, or else it's going to count against your time. So there are no objections. Okay. <laughs> First up is going to be uh, the Stone Brewing Amendment. So I'm starting the timer on it now. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit of history here before we get into the meat. In 2011, community leaders met with 200 Greater Fulton residents, as well as representatives from Virginia Lisk, to establish priorities and a plan for the community-wide revitalization of the Greater Fulton area. And they decided that nothing could really succeed in that area without residents' input being heavily considered. And fast forward to the 2014-2015 you know, era. Here comes Stone Brewing, agreeing to revitalize the area, bring jobs and commerce, and rehabilitate the old intermediate terminal building. So the greater Fulton community got on board, the city got on board, and Stone got a pretty sweet deal. The deal the city struck with the brewery in 2015 during Dwight Jones's tenure states Stone would renovate the 30,000 square foot structure, which the city acquired in a land swap and agreed to issue $23 million in bonds so the EDA could build a brewing plant in Fulton and lease it for 25 years for the purpose of a 700 seat bistro. That's what this building was supposed to be for. This building in question, the Intermediate Terminal Building. After the lease expires, Stone has the option to purchase this prime riverfront property for 25k. So the brewing facility itself opened in 2016. This past summer of 2017, Stone released their plans for the terminal building renovation. The rendering showed floor-to-ceiling windows facing the river, balconies, and an adult slide. Like, for real, an adult slide. (laughs) Um, In a September 27th, uh, interview for the Richmond Times-Dispatch CEO Dominic Engels said a late 2018 opening for the Stone World Bistro and Gardens in the Intermediate Terminal Building is a conservative estimate and the company hoped it would be sooner. Hmm. But recently the architect said in March of 2018 that more and more problems surfaced as work progressed and so Stone Brewing and the EDA want to amend their original agreement allowing them to demolish the Intermediate Terminal Building and build something new. So the problem here is manyfold. Let me give you a little background on Greater Fulton in case somebody knows, and I know it's taken up a lot of time, but I'm going to try to roll through it. Greater Fulton, which includes the neighborhood of historic Fulton, Fulton Hill, and Montrose Heights, and it's bounded by Stony Run Road, Randall Avenue, and the CSX Rail Line. Fulton was one of Richmond's oldest neighborhoods, like very old. Um, The area began as the heart of the Powhatan Chiefdom in the 1600s, home to 12 dwellings of our indigenous people and it just so happens to be where our country's indigenous peoples made some of its first acquaintances with the white world but of course you know the area couldn't be named the greater Powhatan community no so that honor went to an Irishman James Alexander Fulton who married Eliza Mayo and we all know the Mayos blah 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 and they built a big estate on top of Powhatan Park around 1800 and so in its heyday um, the Fulton community really grew up and it. it was absolutely thriving had everything street cars grocery stores boutiques barbershops beauty shops churches a school and most importantly homes about 800 of them
about them. So, you know, white flight happened all over the city and Fulton experienced a major downturn, including poverty and negligent landlords. And we all know also about negligent landlords in this, you know, in this city and its long history with um, slumlords. So there began a big push to demolish the structures. The leaders in the city tried this media campaign to make it out to be the worst slum of, you know, whatever. And all of the houses... um, at the base of the hill bordering Gillies Creek, um, mostly low to middle income African Americans at the time. That whole area was regarded as an eyesore. And so the city was able to um, knock it all down after some severe flooding. They managed to uh, convince the residents there that here, take this money, which was from the Uniform Relocation Assistance and Real Property Acquisition Act of 1970. So they got money and relocated elsewhere in the city with the promise from this you know, neighborhood-wide urban renewal slum clearance, as they called it, that they were going to rebuild moderate-income housing and stores, and it would be a community again. Well, flash forward to a decade later, and nothing had happened. And so all the promises that were made to this community were, you know, pissed into the wind for a better word. So anything, you know, that goes on and changes their economic development over there, everything's regarded with suspicion, including this. Why not? Why not? And so the building they want to tear down, that used to be the sugar warehouse. Right. So it was a sugar warehouse, um, and it was built in 1937, and it provided lots of jobs for the area and all the sugar uh, for tobacco um, companies and, um, you know, going up to Pennsylvania for Hershey, whatever, uh, came through that area. And that was raw sugar from Cuba. Right. Which is an interesting random fact. Yes, weird random fact. During this original thing, they said, okay, we're going to go ahead and um, include this building in our plans, and that'll be part of the bistro. And um, it's a great building. We can't wait to rehabilitate it. Well, so flash forward to now, and the architect is saying that they can't do it because plans to convert the water uh, riverfront warehouse into a massive restaurant would now top $21 million, as opposed to the $8 million that it was originally slated to be. Okay, um, Supposedly, the city will incur no additional costs if the council approves the demolition request. Now, the reason they want to demo it is because they want to replace all the cinder blocks on the west-facing wall with glass, so giant four-story walls of glass. And they said that the overall absence of insulation, it would require a massive heating and cooling system that the roof couldn't support. But they also can't put it on the ground, so it would have to go on the roof and all this back and forth. They have had... A plan for this in place since 2015 and so my my thing here and I don't know about you guys is why wouldn't you know that That's, any normal person would yes. know yes that like, a giant wall of glass is going to raise your heating and cooling costs exponentially so <laughs> my entire issue with this and this is a company that is stone brewing is from outside of Richmond Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have a need for economic development in this area, and there's a history of this area needing economic development and kind of being, for lack of a better term, screwed over. And now, you know, one thing that I, I saw in a Style Weekly article that pointed out is that this building has a road that runs underneath it, which kind of shows that this area used to be densely populated with a lot of stuff going on there. And this is one of the last remaining buildings of this time frame. Mm-hmm. And just to tear it down and replace it with some out of Richmond area or company coming in to demolish this thing because they want a design that work doesn't work with the building that they decided that they wanted to do it. So to me, it's poor planning, mm-hmm. poor design, 
and they need to fix it instead of relying on Richmond to say, we're going to accommodate you now. Or was this the plan all along to well, that's, take the deal? Yeah, well, we'll then, get into that, too, okay. because um, there's, some, there's some issues with their timelines here. <laughs> um, they also, this is another thing that I find mind-blowing. Because the building is on stilts in a floodplain, the HVAC equipment can't go on the ground. Well, duh. It's in a floodplain. Right. Y'all knew that for hundreds of years. Okay, but the building, the, the how bu- is this anything if new? The building is on stilts. Put the HVAC equipment on the same you type know, of platform. And I, I understand that they say this is going to bring 200 jobs because it's going to have a 700 table or 700 person capacity here. Okay. But the brewery didn't bring as many jobs as they promised even. Right. Oh, so you didn't follow through. Okay. So uh, wh- why do why should we keep expecting a community in Richmond to bend over to developers that are from outside of Richmond? Mm-hmm. For the how many breweries do we have? Oh my gosh. How Too many, many local to breweries now? do we have? We have That's a lot. all I'm asking. Right. So now you want our money should be going to them, our time should be going backwards. to them, our consideration should be going to them, and maybe not so much these folks from out of town who are coming in here and making promises and to then going back on their work. buildings and wanting to develop their own that they can purchase later. So they want to do all of this. <laughs> this right. And they can also like sell later if they yeah. want to. Yeah. They want to do all of this. Prime real estate, waterfront real estate. Oh, yeah. That they will eventually buy for $25,000. Eventually? And eventually resell. $25,000? This this is going to be, let me develop a fly-ass building and then flip it and deuces to Richmond. Like, I just feel like... And all the promises that we made. And we tore down your historical building. The only thing that keeps running through my head... Bye, girl. ...is... Sounds like a personal problem to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because, like, sounds like a personal problem to me it's going to cost $21 million for your design instead of $8 million. Sounds like a personal problem to me that you didn't check this out in advance. Sounds like a personal problem to me that this is the deal you made. Figure it out. Fix it. So, Park Radulasto mentioned at the May 14th meeting of City Council when the papers got continued that the EDA knew back in 2017, at least well back into 2017, that the plans had changed to demolition because it was in their meeting notes. Yet they kept uh-huh. pushing the remodel plan in the media all the way until September 2017 that was the when the CEO along. said, we plan to get this open as early in 2018 as we possibly can. So somebody's lying here. Also, they do not have a redesign plan after demolition. There's no plans for what they want to put in its place. And they say that they maybe, they maybe might consider working some of the original architecture into the new plan. Of course they will. You know how mad I'm going to be if something like this gets passed? Well, that's a terrible precedent. a plan? Yeah. And you're over here demanding plans. Plans for everything else from everybody else? Mm -hmm. But why are we going to let this corporation slide and not have a plan when they want to make an amendment to an agreement that has a lot of community, um, you know, time and effort put into it? This community deserves the deference to come back and say, no, we will not allow you to tear this building down. Or two, you have got to listen to us when we say we don't want this. And not just to say, oh, we'll turn your gargoyle around so we don't have to stare at it like they were making no, that. Is I there would, some benevolent, you know, creature? Oh. I would honestly feel dramatically differently about this had the Stone Brewery itself mm-hmm. held up its performance standards. Mm-hmm. Like, if they had now, brought now the they, jobs yeah, that they were supposed changing. to bring, and it's like, hey, we followed through on this commitment, we followed through on this commitment, we followed through on this commitment. We gave these, some, now you give yes. us some. 
Right. Like, if any of it was going to actually, because I don't want to be the person that just prevents development for the sake of preventing development, because there are areas that need this. Sure, absolutely. And I feel like if they were going along swimmingly with the original agreement, maybe I could look overlook some of the stuff, like the, you know, purchasing this property for 25 k after 25 years. Um. <laughs> Do you know how loud that was? That is. Aggressive loud. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's that's, been taking that's the most horrifying. ignorant thing. Right. <laughs> it's the most ignorant thing. But they're they're not keeping up their end of the bargain, and they feel like they are entitled to knock this building down, this building that means a lot to this community. They don't have hardly any reminders left of the eight hundred homes and buildings that were demolished and destroyed when their community was ripped apart by a 1970s city council. We have a two-minute warning, by the way. And so, no. <laughs> no. I want a big I'm, buzzer right now. I'm going like, to insert buzzer noise. And yeah. then it should have, like, those trap doors that just, like, fall, and it just goes down the chute of, like, bad ideas. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say no. We need to stop giving in to these corporations that do business with the EDA because you know the Economic Development Authority, anytime they are involved in something, <laughs> redskins. We're going to get shh. Which this goes back to, we need, we, I'm going to have this little quick 30 second moment of the EDA, the Economic Development Authority, that is a group of people who are appointed by city council. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that the EDA is the one that negotiates the contracts. While the city puts in, hey, this is what we'll allow as general bare bones things that they're approving, the EDA actually negotiates the contract. So that's how we have the Redskins contract that is not actually what city council agreed to. Yep. It's a little bit different and a little bit more aggressive and not as helpful to Richmond. Nope. And so the EDA can't be held. We can't hold them accountable because the agreements with the EDA. So like the lease for the Redskins Stadium. Mm -hmm. The EDA holds the lease. Mm -hmm. The city doesn't hold the lease. Mm -hmm. So like. Same with with the stone. Yep. The EDA. There's no way to rein them in. And that's ridiculous. And the city council. Are these people? Shadow council. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is it's like city council. You guys can complain about this and what they're able to do or can't do. And what you guys appoint ADA. Yep. Y'all Change set that mess up. And they did recently appoint somebody new. Um, so like that's step one, though, to me is like we keep having these things, set a new precedent, mm-hmm. appoint new people to EDA. And stop making these sort of mistakes is that over and is? over and over again. Uh, let, I'm, I'm being generous calling this a mistake. Okay. Air quote mistake. All right. There's the alarm. Look at us. <laughs> we did it. Going to start the timer for Anna Julia Cooper now. All right. So AJC. It's a private Episcopalian school in the East End. Um, right now, it's pretty close to the Creighton properties. And it's primarily, t- it's tuition free right now from fourth to eighth grades. Um, and it currently, I believe, enrolls 108 students. And the class, you know, the class sizes are really small. And, you know, it's a, it's a nice little school and everything. They have a great little website. And I read all these cool little facts. And I'm like, oh, that's great. But none of that really matters. It's not a public school. It's not a Richmond public school, you know, to be cut, to cut, to cut straight to the chase. So essentially what, what's been happening, you've had some miscommunication, I think, and a lot of rumors got out to... Um, the public and the public's really upset. Like, you know, why is Richmond going to give some property at this super low? Or at first, some people thought it was just we're going to give, you know, Anna Julia Cooper school, like, some property. Well, let's start, though, like, from a little bit before that. Okay. Because the original ordinance yeah. was on this this consent agenda. Mm-hmm. 
And it basically just said this: these properties are being conveyed to RRHA mm-hmm. for X amount of dollars, and it's for the purpose of blight clearance. Yep. And it's like 10 of them. Mm-hmm. And the consent agenda is something that always passes without controversy. Yep. And nobody noticed that this was not for redeveloping homes for people no, to live in. No, it's not RRHA at all. <laughs> and so essentially what, what's been happening is Anna Julia Cooper has been leasing the um, property from RRHA. And there's classrooms, like, in this building. And um, they're planning to still continue, even if they get this thing to work out. They want to continue to still do that, but they want to expand. And I think once they expand it, I think it would give them enough to expand classrooms and double the size of the school. Um, But here's the issue. So (laughs) they want to buy eight tax delinquent properties that are next to the school, which is at 2124 North 29th Street. And that neighbors um, Churchill North and Creighton Court. And they want to purchase this property for $145,000. Okay? (laughs) Yeah. Which, Which includes the city's legal costs. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is, you know, you know, we just want to clear this up that, you know, the city's not giving it to us. We're going to buy it at fair market price. (laughs) Really? And, you know, we're going to redevelop it and it's going to fit nicely into the Creighton redevelopment plan. (laughs) 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 And it's going to we're going to spend five to six million dollars in new classrooms and a gymnasium that's school oriented first, but can also be used for the community uh, or by the community for meetings and events and recreational programs. I'm assuming for free. (laughs) And this expansion will allow them to bring kindergarten to third grade and double their size that they have. So essentially be able to hold, I guess, what, 216, 220 students, you know. The, the school's been leasing the space now from RHA since 2011, 2011. And now they're deciding that, and I believe if I quoted it correctly, uh, Mike, the head of the school, is it Mike Benea? Does that sound right? Um, he says the only loss to the city, you know, would be the property taxes that they would be getting, you know, because, of course, if it's sold to them, they don't have to pay taxes because it's a... No, it's an institution of education, um, a private institution of education. And it's also religious, is it not? It's Episcopalian. Yep. Right. So. And um, and I, I forgot to mention, you know, this school it's supposed to mostly serve low income families, most low income students, and it's tuition free. So every student is granted like a fourteen to fifteen thousand dollar grant every year, and they're f- independently funded um, by several of the surrounding churches and independent grantors that give them money and so they want to expand the school you know they just I think uh the head of the school is like I just want to dispel these rumors you know that's not what's going on you know the school is self-supporting and we just want to expand but here's the issue with all of this so you know the property is adjacent to the school yes um essentially this is a charter and you want to purchase property that's originally allotted to RHA and some additional properties and build a bigger charter school or expand your charter school and tie it to the community redevelopment initiative that's happening in Creighton Court. Now, let's just take that apart right there, okay? <laughs> right, just right there. So what is, let's, 
Let's have a quiz. Jesse. Yeah. What is the Creighton Court redevelopment, redistribution program? To tear down the projects in Creighton Court mm-hmm. and have it replaced with new multi-income housing. Mm-hmm. So you're taking everybody out of that community, mm-hmm. moving them into different locations across the cities and scattering the counties, them scattering them around. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to rebuild properties there that are not just for low-income individuals. It's supposed to be mixed-income housing. I said the people who have lived there their whole lives will not be coming back into the community because they will have been distributed elsewhere. So you're going to take my house and then property that that could have been used to renovate or expand where I already live in poverty, you're going to sell it to this charter school for a super low rate, so that they can expand their school and build a community center that's school-centered but also community usable. So that's also like not even my biggest issue with this whole thing. <laughs> um, I mean, that's big enough. It's big enough, that's but like, big enough, I'm like, even going to go even bigger with it, though. Go for it. So my biggest issue with this is that the way this came about oh, yeah. is – it was on the consent agenda, mm-hmm. and the summary for it was very innocuous. It looked like it's just typical things for affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And the only reason this ended up getting pulled off the consent agenda is a community member, Omari Al-Qaddafi, with Leaders of the New South. He pointed it out online, and then we started posting about it also. And all of a sudden, the next meeting, um, it ends up getting pulled off the consent agenda, and they start asking questions. Mm-hmm. And listening to the questions they were asking, there's nobody that could really explain why is RRHA involved? The answer was just because this is the city entity that has the relationship and they brought it to us. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason that this had to go through RRHA. And so this thing had to have gone through a committee at city council who would have looked to see, hey, this is properties that are going to be given to Anna Julia Cooper School. And they said, yeah, OK, this looks fine. And put it onto the consent agenda. We yep. recommend this for approval. Yep. And then city council always just, for the most part, rubber stamps consent agenda when it gets there. Yep. And it would never have gotten pulled off of it. And, and it would have never gotten talked never about. Never questioned, mm-hmm. never asking, is this actually helping the mission? And, and on top of it, now we can scrutinize mm-hmm. everything else with it. But to me, it's like dispel the rumors, dispel the myths. Like, okay, fine. The biggest issue to me is why was this trying to be pushed through? On the consent agenda. On, on the low key, like nobody's going to notice. And so and, now it makes you want to go back and look at everything that's ever been on the consent agenda to make sure that it actually was innocuous mm-hmm. or there – or are they using it to low-key, like, on the DL, pass through stuff that they don't want people to question? Oh, right. And that is what it seems like with this. It's so stupid. And I just always feel like it's, you know, I don't want to be the person that's, like, a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist that our entire government's out to get us. Because I do, I, honestly, the coordination that would require, we do not have the competence level Girl, <laughs> in Richmond sometimes. Yeah. Like, some of those things, I'm like, do you know how genius people would have to be to co- coordinate all those things? I know. But my but point you, being, like... Is- how do you tell? How do you tell the difference between accident and intent? Right. I don't know. It's real hard when you have stuff like this. And now here we are as soon as it gets opened up. Okay, well, yeah, as, as of right now, the three articles that are out there, it says no no members opposed. You know, city council delayed the vote to a month, you know, to delay it a month to amend the sales um ordinances to include these details about the community use of the gym. So now you want to make sure that you get the language right so that it looks like and they're it's going to try to fit. And they're going to move RRHA out of the yeah. thing entirely. Yeah. But I just don't know why did it it's take smoke, this it's, it's, it looks like to get questions mirrors. asked. 
like to me this speaks to something so much bigger that's wrong with our, our city government transparency <gasps> like this to me feels very much like i don't know a, a national level tax bill that could push through without people reading it because mm-hmm. i don't understand like just ask the questions a lot of it i'm sure i could actually get behind if it is the right thing for the community yeah but why'd you have to go about it this way right why why'd you bring it like this why couldn't you just put it on the regular agenda and we and discuss it. it. Yeah, yeah, discuss it. On an open forum instead yeah. of people. A lot of people don't even look at consent agenda. They're like, well, oh, that's not I mean, but again, deal. Is that, is and I, I even have a lot of questions about things like, you know, the way RRHA is. I mean, they're a board of authority. Mm-hmm. I would assume very similar to the Economic Development Authority. Oh, dear. And they're appointed by council. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I just question, you know, why would RRHA, why should they be involved in a project where if they're going to be the ones holding the, them accountable to outcomes, hmm. How, uh, wh- what outcomes are they able to even accomplish <laughs> yeah. on a day-to-day basis that, like, follow the law, that follow not, the law, RRHA. That, that, like, is, that is not the account holder we need right now <laughs> for any school. And we don't care if it's a RPS school or not. We don't need you well, holding that. Any and even any project. Nothing. Any project, Nothing. any property. Nothing. I mean, the last RRHA um, kind of project that was going on had some shady mess behind it was the or the old date the old comfort inn on broad Uh uh that all fell through as well Mm -hmm. because somebody stole some projects or some plans here it was a template plan also but again like have the conversation in advance have the conversation in advance here's another thing where the conversation just didn't happen until a couple of community members were like wait this looks really hinky you guys why aren't we talking about this why are we just saying okay rubber stamping it and here's here's your land when we've got schools that are crumbling and we need places to build new ones this is yet again the city outsourcing things that i feel like we we should be paying attention to Mm -hmm. services the city provides and letting go, I mean, the only thing the city's going to lose out on is the property tax the property of these places. Only? Man, can you imagine and how much money we could and, really get from property taxes? And they're there? already delinquent. Yeah. Like, okay, and if you're going to invest all this money into the Creighton Court redistribution, redevelopment plan. Mm-hmm. Why not do it there? Then the property values will also increase. Increase. But no, sell it to them at fair market value. And that's fair market value today. Which is not, and, and it's not even, it's really just, my understanding of these prices is that it's really like, what's the amount of tax delinquent these properties are? Mm-hmm. Right. That's, it's not it. yeah, saying this is the is. assessment of this property and no. that's fair market value. No. All you're saying is this is the city getting the money back from the property taxes that, that are already delinquent. Are, yep, that they already So to delinquent. me, that's not even saying it's fair market value. But it's not. I wonder what the fair market value of this one of these properties is. I'm about to look it up, because obviously I'm about to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we on time? I got one minute and fifteen seconds. What else y'all got? Well, I see if I can figure this out in one minute and fifteen seconds. Well, I mean, that's that's all. I, mean, I just wonder. Um, now maybe I'm totally like in left field or whatever here, but why isn't th- why aren't these um, properties being considered for the Creighton redevelopment? Because somebody else who has greater influence has already stepped in and wants it. I mean, you think See, about that. So you've got you've got a you've got a because you could build that while people are still know, living in their homes. You don't have to kick know, but, anybody out. But let's let's just think about the logistics of this right here. So RRHA is involved in this, right? And they've been 
Anna Julia Cooper has been renting this property from them already, right? I, I don't think it's no, it's not this property specifically. No, it's a These piece. Are, it's, it's, a, it's a different part of it adjacent to it. A different part it. of it, yeah. yeah. Adjacent, this still adjacent has, piece. This right now is zoned for residential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're going to have to rezone everything. Yeah, yeah. Not not that piece, but there there is a piece that has an RHA like building on it, and they've been using it for classroom. So RHA knows it's there. They already have a, a housing crisis anyway, and they're talking about doing redevelopment in the neighboring in the adjacent neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what person sat down and said, you know what? Let's let the school go ahead and keep that. Let's not redistribute. You know, let let's not add that into the Creighton. All right. Let's let's find this value. That I was our see time. It. No, I want to see this value. That was Look our time. The, oh, the value of one of the properties I looked up is $20,000, and it's mm. one of the ones that's being sold for $11,455. Yeah, half price. Okay. Half price. Yeah. I'll buy All properties right. in Richmond for half price. So, mm. moving on to our next topic. I mean, are we cutting it? Are we, Are we? yeah, nay, big buzzer? What, what are we doing? No, I'm out. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, no. They, they don't. They don't need that property. That property needs to go to other more pressing issues. Or at least uh, right now, yeah. as it stands today, they need to evaluate if this actually fits and show me where it fits to the ultimate goal of oh, multi-income yeah. housing and actually tie it to the outcomes and explain why is it this property versus other properties. Especially whether, since, why, especially since you've said that you're going to make it, you're, you're taking out the, this school is centered around low income, improving All education right. for low income. Go ahead. We're I getting too Chilbert right now. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we have definitely. I'm just, we're, we're Madam Secretary, if, if nobody, if nobody objects. I'm objecting. We okay, can't, fine. We can't. All right. Running Mike over Jones, top of fine. our per, poor clerk. Hey, if Mike Jones, fine. Object then, fine. Still our young eating out cans, cheaper grams and weapons. I saw my first swam at seven. A smidgen after first grade. Shirt sprayed with talents. You made us hurt, make the balance. Instead of preaching balance and fears, silence says we moving. They either go and hear the movement or share with me the spiritual form. Hear a song, rebellion. We gathered up the strong and felons. The youth and all the poverty strain with all the poverty dwelling. A story that the pottery telling. You find it all in Potter's Field or the government found. But they can't stop me, I'm dropping evil with Looking the people out for the government box. Some say the government will watch me But they can't stop me, I'm dropping evil with Looking the people out for the government box. Some say the government will watch me But they can't stop me, I'm dropping evil with Looking the people out for the government Oh, hey there. Are you still with us? Fantastic. You are listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. Starting the timer. Now for us to talk about the residency requirement. So the residency requirement as it stands today 
is that there's this whole bunch of list of different city positions that are considered top level positions that they're required to live within the city limits. There are things like uh, chief of fire, chief of police, assessor, attorney, auditor, city clerk, library director, CAO, director of public works, it's a whole bunch of them. And then also anybody that's appointed to a position by council, so like city council liaisons, and people who are in the business management, the business management officer, city engineer, commissioner buildings, deputy city clerk. So there's a whole massive amount of these jobs and massive might be relative in this term, but there's a list of jobs that you're required to live in the city. And this is how it's been for a while. However, you are able to get a waiver. And there's a certain way that you can get a waiver and have them look at what are the reasons that you can, can get the waiver outside of, to get outside of the city of Richmond. And in a recent RTD article, it came up that less than half of the people who are filling these positions actually live in the city of Richmond. The rest have gotten waivers. And this is introduced. Uh, the patrons on it are uh, Andreas Addison of the first, Mike Jones of the ninth, and Ellen Robertson of the sixth. So they want to get rid of the residency requirement. And there are a handful of people, uh, Reva Trammell, I believe Kim Gray also opposes it, that say that this is the worst possible idea ever that it's going to lower the quality of people that you get into these positions and yada, 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 on and on and on. So here's my problem with it personally is the waiver process. It really puts it into the hands of city council, which is a political process of who can get the votes mm -hmm. and who can get their council people to vote. Because, for example, um, Umesh Jalal, the former city auditor, he got a waiver and that was introduced by uh, Kathy Graziano, formerly of the 4th District. So then in that situation, when she's patroning a waiver, it's a matter of can she get the rest of the four votes. So to me, you know, from an HR standpoint, if you're not going to consistently apply a policy, why do we have the policy? Hmm. And unless city council is willing to follow their rules, and I mean, that's the alternative is follow your rules. <laughs> follow your own rules. That's so hard for them, though. Because I just, you know, I can't figure out, you know, what, what would be the reason that people don't want to live in the city? Okay, is it because the schools aren't going to serve your kids? Is it because you can't afford to live here? Is it because you're afraid of crime? Is it outside of like a family medical emergency circumstance? Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things that people have problems with the city about, to me, those are situations that city council's job is to fix those things. Mm -hmm. Like fix the schools, fund the schools. Mm -hmm. Maybe we wouldn't be here. And it's just so arbitrarily applied, I don't see a reason to continue that. Well, also, it gives the sense that they feel like city residents aren't qualified to fill these positions. And I bet you we have enough city residents that are qualified to fill those positions okay. who would love to fill those positions. That's the thing. It's like, to me, I would love for them all to live here. Yes. I, I do believe the residency requirement makes sense. However, Anybody who works in City Hall should have to live in Richmond and know what we all go through when we go to City Hall to experience anything. Right. But at the same time, if you're not going to follow the rule, let's make it equitable for all employees. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's my thing is, like, unless City Council can promise that they are stopping these waivers. Don't we have a liaison or two on City Council yeah. that lives outside? I know um, I, I might have, okay, so I might have done my own, like, creepy research on this after the RTD article came out. And of the absolute top-level positions, I, I found less than a third, honestly, of addresses related that were in the same city of Richmond to the individuals in the positions. Sorry. And I know there is one city liaison, uh, 
Reva's liaison that I believe lives in, I think it's called Lenexa, which is in New Kent County. Yeah, that's way down. That's way down. Way And so down. what makes him more qualified than somebody who lives in the city well, of Richmond? And, and to me, it's like, you know. Well, maybe she likes here's the other country part, though. She's originally from Surrey. But at the same time, this guy's a former police officer, by the way. I was, like, looking this person up. And it also has the salary printed on the resolution where they um, appoint these individuals. So the salary for that position is $61,000. Are you going to tell me that you can't find housing in Richmond for, like, I? it's just you're thinking through what are the possible reasons because it's not disclosed why. So I did have one fun throwback, though, because – this isn't the first time they've tried to remove the residency requirement. So, <laughs> excuse me why I just have a whole moment over here with Jesse. In 2007, <laughs> in 2007, uh, there was an ordinance that they had actually adopted. City Council adopted it. And it was, I believe, to remove the, uh, it was adding in different things of uh, different reasons for waiver. And it was specifically, it, I can't, I didn't go super far into this because I stopped when I saw that there was a veto <sighs> and I couldn't stop laughing. So in 2007, um, enclosed herein is Mayor L. Douglas Wilder's veto. Here we go. So originally they tried to change this thing and he goes through and actually has objections in here to why this shouldn't be a thing. And so I thought it was just interesting to read through some of the reasons that Doug Wilder believes in the residency requirement and vetoed this legislation that city council had passed. Mm. So this was specifically really for the city auditor, which I believe Umesh Dalal started in 2008. So this is all probably related to him specifically. Mm -hmm. And it looks like one of the reasons they objected was that this would have um, included a, a cultural and religious reason for him to get an exception to not live in the city. And they indicated, Doug Wilder indicated, that the other reasons for residency requirements being waived were all race-neutral, religion-neutral, culturally-neutral, so this would not be able to be objectively applied. And then it goes on and literally says, the purpose of having a residency requirement was to ensure that the city's senior executives could, quote, talk the talk and walk the walk. It's strange logic to believe that city officials and senior executives can effectively promote and create economic development in the city of Richmond during the workday just to return to their homes in the county in the evening. It's bad public policy to create a broad subjective basis on which senior executive city employees can be relieved of their respective duties to live in the city of the government that employs them at a higher rate of pay than other city employees. It's also bad policy to have a subjective exemption applied for both legislative and executive employees, yet through only the legislative branches of the government, effectively reducing the waiver to a tool by which personal preference or political retribution can be exercised. The motivation for this amendment, while facially neutral, is discriminatory as it will have disparate impact on the racial minority majority population of the city of Richmond, Virginia. Likewise, the motivation of this amendment, while facially neutral, is discriminatory in that it endorses religion by favoring the city auditor's religion above others or, in the alternative, favoring religious adherence over non-adherence or it creates a personal based on national origin. <laughs> All right, Doug Wilder. I'm there for it. I just thought that was really interesting because today, you know, even – any level of the res any level of a waiver to me is subjective. Mm -hmm. When half the people have one, uh -huh. yeah, I, I I can't get to a place where, and to me, it's an all or nothing. Either you have to adhere to this in the most strict way, or or you just open the floor up to or whatever you locality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and me personally, I would prefer everybody who works in city hall to be a city resident i really feel like 
the only way you can relate and do a good job by the city is to live in the city because then you're more motivated because it affects you too. Yeah. Um, but what do I know? Maybe all the quality folks live out in Lenexa. I got a girlfriend that lives in Lenexa. She's my girl. She's quality. <laughs> but is she trying to work no, in she's City not. Hall? She's really happy I with where she's working in one, Williamsburg. One argument that I also heard that I thought was really interesting that I got on the board with is that there were people that were city employees, and this was something that I think Bernice Travers actually mentioned at council when she spoke on this, oh, um, dear. which I found myself agreeing with Bernice Travers, and oh. it was a weird, weird world to live oh, in. Oh, dear. Um, she mentioned the fact that, you know, so a city employee was using the logic in council the previous time that was saying, well, you know, other counties are lifting this requirement because they can't find good enough people in their counties. Mm. So if they can't find good enough people to fit this job, then like, why is opening it up to the counties going to make sense to us? Huh. And I agree with that. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I get it that we need just a better recruitment process. And, you know, in my mind. None of these things, even like with or without the residency requirement in place, like why are we prevented from prospecting high quality people that live in the city? Right. Like that's be. that's what an HR department. Why can are you do. not out at VCU? Why aren't you promoting these things? Trying like, to get yeah. students to stay in Richmond and work for the city. Like even if you have a residency requirement that's that you don't have an official residency requirement as a city, you can advertise jobs in a way that's mostly to city residents. Mm hmm. You can have people that are in HR department that aren't picking people based on locations, but if you're going to headhunt people, finding people with those experiences, also doing internal promotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and for me, it's just also, I don't just want my people who live in the city, who work for the city to live in the city. I want them to want to live here. I want right. them to want to live here and love it just as much as I do. And want to um, put their kids in the schools and support those schools and become members of those PTAs and get up in front of city council and push for funding. Like you want them to really invest and embed themselves in their community. If anything else, you know, I feel like all of those parking garages downtown that have city employees that pay for them, maybe we could also have a, a city resident rate i'm sure there is in a non-city resident rate mm. and you know if you're somebody who wants to drive in from the counties and go to work here you might pay a little bit more in parking there was some speaker that did mention that the, a he fee. mentioned a fee like just finding somebody in their paycheck which maybe not but like but something like that would yeah. be uh i would think an acceptable alternative um if they're going to get this waiver and they're going to work here and not live here then they maybe need to pay a higher parking fee to park every day something to give them an incentive to be here I, that's i think that's what it is for me is i would much rather have a positive incentive-based reason to live in the city whether that's discounts that you get a, you are you get an advantage to like hey you're a city resident and here's your little like discount card you or work for the is. city here's a grtc bus pass yes huh. exactly like just incentivize it don't just say absolutely not because i do think that there are probably people who have worked long and hard uh -huh. in city hall today that are in lower positions than the ones that are listed in this list that do not live in the city and they might have better experience but they might not be willing to apply for a promotion because then their whole family would have to move and i do want to be sensitive to the fact that it is a big thing especially if they're not paying for relocation because even though it's just across a county line you still have to sell a house Mm -hmm. You still have to pay for the moving truck. It's not cheap. All this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I get it. And you have to completely, especially if you have, I don't have kids, but I'm, uh, uh, cats are hard to adjust to areas. So I'm assuming kids are probably harder to adjust <laughs> to school. Yeah, they are. Logic, you know? Are. like think, I, I get it. And like moving somebody out of a school, regardless of if it's city or county, 
moving a kid from a school that they're successful in, period. To somewhere else. New, somewhere else is no a challenge. Friends. No friends. So there's there's a lot of reasons that I don't want to discourage people from getting promoted either. I want them to want to live here and be part of this whole revolution of Richmond. Mm-hmm. But And this is a tough one. Incentivize it. Yeah, incentivize it. Don't do it by arbitrarily picking and choosing when it's appropriate. And it, those aren't, like, I've looked. There's not, like, public record of reasons that people ask for a waiver. I found one uh, for Umesh Jalal. It just says that we're going to grant this waiver. So it's an HR thing where you can't it's give the information disclosed. about why. Except mm-hmm. Doug. Except for Tupac. Oh, Doug didn't have a problem disclosing <laughs> like, that. No, I'm good. <laughs> so in the words of Mike Jones, follow the rules across the board. Yeah. Yeah. That's my big thing. It's just, I just... Cross the board. I think it's ridiculous that we have gotten to a place where less than half of our top administrators live in the city of Richmond. I think that's embarrassing. Hmm. Absolutely embarrassing. It well, is. It says something about the city. It's good enough to, to pay them money, but it's not good enough to live in. Exactly. I yeah. I really wish everybody lived here, but at the same time, I can't get behind this one. No. Uh-uh. Like I say, this should be passed. Because unless they come up with something where there's stringent guidelines, where they're not giving waivers, or there's only a certain number of waivers, there's some control process by which we don't end up in a place uh-huh. where – because right now, if I just found out, if I'm one of the top people that lives in the city, if I'm City Attorney Alan Jackson, because I'm pretty sure I confirm you live in the city, um, <laughs> I'd be kind of, like, tweaked right now. Like, what do you mean? I've been paying all this stuff this whole time, and, like, less than half y'all got these waivers? Or, like, more than half y'all got these waivers? Or or the person that, like, moved here to accept the job. Like, I came here with all my stuff and all my peoples. Mm Mm-hmm. I would just be kind of irritated by the whole thing, and I just think that you have to either make it it harder or get rid of it. Follow your own rules. Look at that. Bam. Fun. All right, so in a last-minute bonus round of city legislation, we're going to have about five minutes here to talk about something that was recently introduced on the last city uh, council meeting, and it is up for discussion on the regular agenda on the 29th of May. So this is a paper that is patroned by 2nd District Councilwoman Kimberly Gray, and it is to establish a policy of city council that they will not vote to adopt any ordinance establishing or increasing any tax levied by the city until at least 30 days have elapsed since the introduction of such ordinance. So this is obviously directly stemming from the meals tax, where it was introduced and patroned by Mayor Stoney and had a pretty quick turnaround timeline on it. Um, I'd have to go back and look and see if it was how many days shy of 30 days it was, but it was definitely not just two weeks, if I remember. It was at least three weeks. Uh, between the time it was originally discussed and then I think finally it was three because that was the point of contention. I'm like, well, in three weeks, I'm sorry, where? How did you not get your information? Right. Yeah. So this is she her. She, it takes her a month to get a wash machine or refrigerator or something. She needed more time. Yeah. So that was the whole thing. Was that the whole idea was this is too quick of time for us to meet with our constituents, for us to get out there and talk to people and really get our arms around the impact of this tax and make a decision. So now this would actually establish a policy that with what happened with the meals tax would not be possible of happening, which I'm not opposed to. No, I don't disagree with this, um, but it just amuses me because I feel like it's the Kim Gray, I need more information, I need more time act, which is fine. But it, it always just 
seems like when you have more time and they continue things over and over and over again to get more information. They still need more time. They still need more time and, and they never get the information that they need. And either they vote on it and it feels rushed or they never vote on it. And I just feel like, I mean. Just languishes. Looking back and saying that there wasn't enough time in three weeks to meet with your constituents, to me that's a decision of will. Sure. Like, if you have the will to make the time to meet with your constituents and do all these different things, like, you will find the time to do it and make it a priority. Well, you also have this liaison that makes $60,000 a year mm. that can do a bunch of research for you. That's what liaisons are for. Yeah, they're to help you figure stuff out. And so... They can lay all this information out for you within three weeks' time, I'm fairly certain, to get you, you know, the knowledge that you need. And I feel like, now this is my personal opinion, that a lot of council folk maybe don't utilize their uh, liaisons as much as they should then. Or they don't utilize their own time. Yes, it's a part-time job. Say what? And you have, oh, and you these guys have day jobs or they're retired, whatever. But sit in bed at night and... Google some stuff. Say what? Read through some papers that pertain to whatever it is that's up on, you know, the agenda for the upcoming meeting. What I really wish that we would actually have is not just this to say that we need more time, but where I would really enjoy a, a resolution or some type of policy is a very clear list of um, reports and documents and questions that have to be answered on every type of project regardless mm -hmm. so that when things come to council the first time yes all of the information is there because there, yeah. to me it's like we keep asking for more information more information more information but to what end and to me i just feel like we need to have something that's like okay fine if you need more time but where does this end because Wait, where does your time end like i got questions I, got, I always got questions i can always come up with stuff to ask like most ridiculous possible things to ask so at some point you know there's always this place where it finally turns from a helpful standpoint of getting more information into now a detriment mm -hmm. where it's like we're just using this as an, a way to avoid making a decision well right this is how you get things like we had recently papers that were introduced by say john belisles back you know, in the previous council cycle that were getting voted on by the new city council. Right. There's even one where they decided, well, this was patroned by somebody who wasn't even here anymore, so this is never going to make it out of committee. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> right. So if you're going to ask for more time, maybe you should have a set timeline yeah. for these things. Hey, within this month, it says 30 days, at least 30 what, what is say? the criteria? There needs to be very clear criteria. It says, um, what does it say, Jesse? 30 days have elapsed from introduction. 30 days have elapsed from introduction. So, okay. But that's not saying, though, um, that's not saying that it can't go past 30 days. It says that it needs a, at least 30 days to consider that paper yeah. when it involves raising taxes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's just no end. And that's There's just problem. no end. Yeah, that's an issue uh, because there are certain members of council that will take advantage of that. All right, well, that was a fun little... So are you guys there for it? Would you pass it? I, I would, but I, I, want, I, want more inf I want more guidelines in it. I want a companion paper, and this is not just for taxes. It's not just for EDA projects. It's not just for schools. I want a companion paper that actually puts together clear criteria of 
all the reports and studies that every single type of project needs before we even start the discussion. Mm-hmm. Right, because you know that would go back to helping out in this whole stone brewing yep. uh, situation. But it, it would the whole Anna Julia Cooper in situation. Every, in every right. situation, because I, I don't care what it is, they show up and usually it's the same person, but at least one person is like, well, I don't have all the adequate facts right now. All right. Well, we went over our time because apparently we're just being too much like counsel now. So thank you guys for your opinions. All of them. <laughs> I was buying shoes over here. I bought four pairs of shoes at a very discounted rate. What? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you see me get my whole Nordstrom card out? No. no. <laughs> That's what I was over here doing. <laughs> All right. We're done. We've got a job to do Please don't give us too much shit We're only here to help We're only here to help We're only here to help you We do not believe you We do not believe you. We love this city just as much as you do. We do not believe you. We do not believe you. Stonewalling bureaucratic blood sucking waste. You're a waste. You're an underworked, overpaid waste of a hard and exorbitant, unnecessary rates. We love the city just as much as you do. Our sole purpose isn't just to screw you. We love the city just as much as you do. Our sole purpose isn't just to screw you. Stonewalling bureaucratic blood sucking waste. You're a waste. You're a city just as much as you do. Thank you again for joining us today. We hope you've come away a fair bit more informed about four important papers that will be up for vote shortly. You have until June 11th to contact your council critter and let them know your stances on the first three papers discussed, while the last one will be up for a vote at the May 29th meeting of City Council. Please feel free to share your thoughts with us, as always, on social media at RVA Dirt, and let us know if there's some topics that maybe we haven't discussed yet that you'd like more information about. We are a fully interactive choose-your-own-adventure story here at the Dirt, after all. Thank you for listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, produced by us right here at the studios of WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Now get off your duff and go make a difference somewhere, won't you?